What is up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast on the Undialed TV podcast channel or on Spotify or on Apple Music. Hello, our viewers. I am so stoked to talk to you guys today. Today, we actually have a wonderful, wonderful guest. I'm going to let this guest introduce themselves. So, Mr. Guest, who are you? My name is Aaron Hill, also known as Double A Video in the scootering community. So tell us about Double A Video. I feel like most people in scootering know you as Double A Video. Um, what does that mean? Who, who is Double A Video? Yeah, so, well, Double A Video is me. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the name... Yeah, Aaron, sorry, just to cut you off real quick, can yeah. you be like a fist away from the mic? So closer? Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so... Get comfy. So there we go. Okay, yeah. So double A video is me. Um, it's as simple as my name, Aaron. A A two A is double A. Um, <clears throat> that was kind of a nickname I had growing up. Um, I think, I think my dad gave it to me, or some people in baseball, or something. They just called you double A. Double A, yeah. That's a sick name. Yeah, I liked it. It'd be some people would be like, oh, like a battery. And I'd be like, I me, mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's so, funny. I always ran with it and. Uh, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, a lot of people got it. Sometimes people didn't. I remember Tanner. It took Tanner Fox, like, it was like years later. He's like, like someone called me. Someone spelled out my name. He's like, I just realized that's why it's double A video. Yeah, no, I, I remember having that realization. Like, after seeing your YouTube channel, and because that's where I knew double A video from, is is watching all of your edits before I actually knew who you were and. And I, when I when I saw it, I was like, double A video. And the first thing I initially thought, it was like, he thinks his videos are so good that he's like, my videos are double what whatever yours are. So I, I initially thought it was that. So at first I was like, dang, this guy really thinks he's something. And and then and then like it must have been years later that I was just like, double A. Oh, for Aaron. And then still like last night when I was spelling your name, uh, I was typing it in and I typed in A-R-R and I was like, no, 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 no. It's A-A-R-R. That's why I made the channel that. So yeah. that people would have an easy way to spell my name in case they needed to text me or something. So yeah, that's why I did it. It's public service. But um, So you turned double A video into a YouTube channel. And I feel like that's where most people know you and, and all of your content from. So tell us about like the start of that YouTube channel. Like when you were, when you first started filming, I noticed like on your channel, you almost had, you had clips of like your scooter check and a, a lot of, I don't know. It seemed like you were just experimenting with videos a lot. Like tell us just about those beginning times. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, dude, I just looked too, cause I was just curious right now. I'm, I figured it was about time. So it's like 15 days from now will be 10 years since I started Dang. it. Yeah, so I started in uh, 2011. And How, what grade were you in school? I was in seventh grade. Okay. I was in middle school. Um, and yeah, I mainly started it with a few of my friends. It was my friend Aaron, uh, my friend Justin Goulet, who some people might know, because he, he worked at Claremont Skate Park, and he had some edits on my channel that got some views, and uh, my friend O'Shea. And we all... We'd just ride, go to the skate park, ride. Um, we all kind of picked up scootering at the same time. O'Shea and Justin used to skate, and then O'Shea got into scootering. And then, like, some of us that weren't that good at action sports stuff, we, like, picked that up a little better. Um, but it was mainly, like, it, what it came from was going to the skate park and filming, 
What uh, what because I wasn't good enough to ride as much as everyone else, you know. So, so it came. So you getting a camera? How did that all come to be? Like, because there must have been a point where you guys were just going to ride at the skate park, and then eventually you got a camera. Like, so how did that happen? Well, so for the first while, yeah. I filmed everything on my iPhone four. Got you. Okay, I filmed everything on my iPhone 4. on your YouTube channel as well. Yeah, got you. Well, so I started it in. Um, <clears throat> I started it in January of 2011 in mm. anticipation of we were going to make a movie. We're calling it Tail Whip, Tail Whip the movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we're making that. And that's actually, it's so funny because that was like the reason to make the channel. And that's not even on the channel anymore because like back then, um, that was when YouTube, like when you got copyrighted really hard, they would just delete it. Yeah. So they just deleted it. Um, <laughs> so it's not even there. And I thought I lost it and I found it recently like on a burn to a disc. Uh, like a couple weeks ago um tell it the movie yeah tell the movie so <laughs> it's on there i think the trailer's on there because that started because that was right when iMovie first introduced the thing where you can make trailers yeah yeah yes. so that's what the idea came from we were playing with that and it was like oh this is so epic and we're gonna make the movie yes exactly so we did that and basically like filmed our parts you know but like we couldn't none of us could really ride that much and like the best thing anybody could do is like a double whip um but it was the inception of making that. And in doing that, I realized, like, you know, filming, this is way more fun for me than the riding. Because, like, the riding just didn't quite click for me. I mean, it was fun to, like, cruise around and, like, I could do a few things. But did you feel like when you started filming, you felt like your horizons widened with what you could do? Like, like, did you have that moment where you're like, this is my craft? Like, this is what I this is like what I want to do here. I would say that moment came later on because it was so I filmed for a while with my iPhone. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of it. I was just trying to think of it the other day. I filmed with like a Sony Handycam for a mm -hmm. while. And it was uh, that one was a lot of fun with like a screw on fisheye. And, you know, filmed a few edits with that. And, you know, the quality was was a step up and it was a lot more fun. To, it was like, wow, OK, this is crazy. And then the one that like widened my horizons and blew my mind was mm -hmm. when I got the T3i. Got you. Yeah. The Canon T3i. I remember. The first time I went to the skate park with that, we had just, my group had just started to um, become friends with Elliot Arnold. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so was, tell us, tell us about that merge real quick. So there was like your little posse um, and then Elliot Arnold. I feel like that is such a character in scootering who's like, who, who I feel like is so hardcore and street. Well, maybe not like right anymore, but like he had that persona for a while. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like you, you filmed all of his early videos and I feel like it's almost like that persona that he carried and like your persona, I don't feel like would match, but I feel like it did initially, you know what I'm trying to say? And like, tell us about that merge. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that just kind of came to be from, you know, just going to, going to Claremont all the time, having Claremont yeah. as a local, which we were, you know, super lucky and blessed to have that be the situation. Um, just being there, there was you know, always good riders coming through. And then just enough times of me filming, you know, this or that, you know, it was enough to grab attention from some of the bigger guys. Um, and Elliot was the first one who was like, you know, totally like, yo, dude, we should start filming some stuff because, um, you know, he was on the come up as well. He was a, you know, an unknown rider. Uh, I was unknown in filming and um, it just seemed like a good match. You know, he had, he was, I, the one when I think of the T3I and the picture that like I was like, oh, my God, was a picture of Elliot, I think, doing like a finger whip or something up the step up at Claremont. And I remember we were just shooting that day and it was like, this is insane. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, we just kind of continued from there. Mm -hmm. Isn't it crazy? Like when you first got your, your first DSLR and you took a photo and you almost couldn't believe that you took it. Even if it was a crap, it was just like, it's so, it's so in focus. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Dude. If I were to look back at those photos now, I'd be like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> um, but like at the time it was like, oh my God. Because it was, I don't what was crazy. I, I remember when I started to get my come up a little bit, I got my, everything that I did through photography and through video and stuff like that. And I, I remember just like, I think at that time, the best photos I could take myself was like from my iPhone and like thinking about iPhones now they're pretty good but like iPhones back then weren't that weren't the best like they are now but DSLRs were like still better than iPhones now and it's like that that like when you look at the, the image quality and you look at the precision it was just like, like you felt like you have like a tool you know what I mean like the piece <laughs> yes exactly it's like a it's a distinct feeling from just pulling out your phone and it's like yeah setting it up and you feel and you know, I was lucky to have, like, I had this one guy teach me all the basics of the camera, and I was able to kind of pick it up pretty quickly from there mm -hmm. to, like, immediately go to shooting manual everything. Um, and that kind of helps with that feeling because it's, like, you know, you're, like, dialing it in and making sure that you're doing what, what needs to be done to make the shot good. So, you know, like, you have a part of it versus just, like, you know, an iPhone, the feeling of pointing and pressing a button Yeah, is maybe a little less so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just coming up with that. So, so you were filming with Elliot at Claremont. You were filming with all these these people, and then, and then, then your YouTube channel really started to pop because I feel like initially it was like you were just kind of doing things for fun, and then you, then I feel like you took on the role for yourself of like I'm gonna be the person who's filming all these edits. Tell us about then that next phase. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was yeah. I mean, like I said, so it started with Elliot. We shot a lot of stuff, and mm. um. You know, we kind of just came up together. Like he was just getting so much better at riding and just picking up, learning new tricks like every day. And I was just learning new things every day mm -hmm. on how to better film, getting new equipment, getting better stuff. Yeah. Um. And, you know, through that, then at one point he introduced me to Vincent, Vincent Caderna. Um. And legend. Yes, legend. And then like, you know, he didn't really have anybody good filming him. You know, he was just grabbing random people so we started filming and it was like a huge step up for him to have somebody good doing it and you know i remember through him i met caperin and then Corey. um so the you know it kind of just expanded and at some point in there it started to become like um like a possibility for it to be a job um yeah so tell us about when that started to happen like when did you first when did you get your first like gig well my first gig actually came like pretty early on um with uh victory scooters i don't even know if you Vic i do know victory scooters yeah. yeah they had like posted some video and it was trash and <laughs> i like this is the most one of the more savage things i was doing i did at the time like i literally i didn't like leave a hate comment but i commented and was basically just like yo at this mark what are you doing here and then also what is this like like basically like hit me up if you want something like high quality or something like that you know i was basically just trying to sell myself yeah, this yeah. comment um and and the owner hit me up and you know i shot something for him i think that was even before i got the t3i and i don't remember what it was for it was probably for like almost no money or maybe like parts or some something. wheels yeah <laughs> something like that but that was my first like exchange video for that uh and then i started i did, worked with um scooter garage yeah 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 which was super random the way that we met them was actually way back um when i was filming for Tail Whip the movie, mm -hmm. my friends and I had this spot in Claremont, like not even a spot, it's like a 
two foot gap or something, but it was like the spot for the us. Spot. It was yeah, the yeah. gap. Um, the, the gap. Yeah, so we were at the gap. I feel like every little group of young scooter riders has this one gap or just like, the, like the bank. The, the you know what I mean? Yes, the we rail. Had, we had the bank as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you got that true. Um, you got that right. Yeah. And while we were at the at this gap, um, this guy just saw us on our scooters and rode up and started asking us about the parts and stuff. Because he was gonna make a scooter shop. Yo, so wait, the before Scooter Garage opened as a shop, some homie pulled up to you on the side of the road, like the owner, I mean, and then he was just like, yo, so tell me about scooters. Imagine having that as your, your marketing plan, your business yes. plan. Yeah, I mean, they were, <laughs> it was um, the owner of Scooter Garage, super nice guy, AC. He was basically, it was like a, a passion project for his wife. Um, That's what uh, I heard. Her, her his ex-wife, I believe. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing, um, but yeah, and they had already figured out like some parts, but they were like trying to basically fill in the gaps. Like, is there anything else that we're not getting that we should be getting? Were they planning on making parts at that time, or they, they were not planning on making parts? Or they, or they just, just asking guys like, what, what brands should we bring in? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, are, what brands are you riding? Like, what? Because they're, they're like, we know about this one, this one, this one, and then yeah. we basically like told them, and he was like, okay, cool, yeah, we'll look into all that. Um, and then just that connection there was enough for them to like know me. And then at some point later on, I ended up, you know, doing some filming for them. And that yeah. was my first like contracted job. Um, was that back when they were on that beachside property? You remember yeah. that ridiculous property they had? That, oh, yeah. That I remember I, I remember heard from somebody that their lease costed so much every I month. Bet. Yeah. I mean, it was they were posted up right out there in La Jolla, which is obviously a pretty wealthy part of San Diego. Um yeah, I mean it was a cool spot for sure. It was um yeah, it was it was a fun place. It was cool for me like to uh you know, do some videos for them and help them out and you know, learn a little bit along the way and I mean there were some cool things that happened too. What that kind of started for me was this thing of like okay, I want to be making videos for these companies. And yeah. I want to make them their videos and then I also want to see like how I can also make a cool video for my channel as well. Because I know that these companies are going to want X, Y, or Z, right? They're going to want like only their rider shown or only their parts shown or something mm -hmm. like that. At the same time, I can be knocking out something else for my channel. You know, something that's different or something that they wouldn't want necessarily. So you used, so you used basically like, like, oh, I'm going to go film these scooter garage riders, hypothetically. And then in the meantime, I'm also going to film all of these riders. I'm going to save all of the scooter garage clips for this thing. And then I'm going to release my own project with all the other riders. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe not as much with scooter garage. I don't know if I was working on that. Back, but just like, back hypothetically. Then, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that was kind of the idea that started. And um, do you know what's so interesting is I remember you and I having this conversation at Woodward like eight years ago. Oh, really? Because when I went to Woodward for the very first time, I was shooting photos for the scooter farm. And it was when you were kind of teaching the digital media or like they like kind of put you in charge. And, and I remember you were, you were talking, you and I were talking about that, just about how, how to like maximize like, like the time at Woodward, cause we only had three days or whatever. And I remember you telling me about like, I have to film this video for my channel. I have to film this video. And I'm also working on this little other project. And, and I was just like, I was like, all right, like I see it now. I understand it. And I don't know. It's, it's just funny that you, you brought it up again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, yeah, dude, I totally forgot about that when, yeah, like Richie from Woodward hit me up and he wanted me to. That's when I first met camp. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, so I feel like when you met me, 
I don't know. I'm trying. I I keep remembering it. I'm trying to remember it, but I feel like I thought that you didn't like me at the time. Probably because <laughs> probably because you thought that I was double A prime. I'm better than you. Video. I think I was. If anything, I was probably just jealous of you. I was probably just like, damn, this kid is so established. Like we're at Woodward. He knows Woodward. Like they. He's he's teaching the camp. Like obviously he's teaching the camp. He's double a video. You know what I mean? Like I just. <laughs> oh man yeah that's great that's crazy yeah dude that was an interesting thing that came up it was just super random and um i don't even know i don't know if i got paid for that or if it was more just like a. I think what i got was i got um because i was in high school at the time i yeah. got like volunteer hours which was like a college application okay. leave and i think i didn't even ask for money i was just like could we just work that out and they were like yeah for sure um so how important were those woodward videos for you because i feel like that was like a, a big part of your success in, in a way yeah yeah i guess so looking back more, on more for i would say exposure than for like monetary value <laughs> but still i feel like a lot of people knew you from, from those videos like a woodward it was like you were the filmer that was going to put the video out yeah for sure definitely became a thing of like waiting for the double a video woodward video a little bit um, yeah, it was, it's interesting you ask it like that because it, for me at the time, like that's one thing looking back on it, you know, like I was always kind of separating those things of where I'm like, okay, if I'm shooting for lucky or mad gear or something like I'm making those videos and I'm still having fun doing it, but that's like to make some money and the double a video stuff is just always on the side. It's always going to be there and it's always for fun. Um, like I was never, ever really concerned about like okay how many views can i get on this and how many yeah. subs can i gain from this let's keep the channel going like i literally was just uploading everything because it was so fun to me because like now i can even see it looking back to like i would upload like 30 second clips here and there you know i would just upload like one clip I'm like, like, I'm like, like the oh, double backflip clip oh the guy cunningham it. yeah <laughs> yeah but like things like that are like like tanner's first flare like i yeah. uploaded on there or like elliot arnold like doing a talk you know i would just upload clips because it was like I love this. Like I was just passionate about it. I loved scootering. Um, and I thought it was, and I still tend to think that it's like one of the more interesting action sports. I mean, there's just yeah. so many combinations with it. Um, and yeah, and doing those Woodward videos was just the culmination of that because it was like, dude, everyone's here. Everyone's it's here. so easy to get content. It's like, you could just post up yeah. and like on top of the foam pit with your, with your long lens and just be like, all right, let's just get like 10 minutes of footage right now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what would happen for sure. It would just be like post up on the spank and like. Get and then everyone, everyone would just come to the spank because that's where you were at. Yeah. And like, but at a certain point, my favorite thing to do, and I think it was, it was either influenced by, I think it was mostly influenced by Andy Ray. He was doing some videos and you can't even like find him anymore. But um, I don't remember. He had a name for the video series, but. He just did a lot of like well, what we ended up calling like party lines, which is what I started to fall in love with was, and he was the guy, he was doing a lot of glide cam stuff. Yeah. And that's when I picked up glide cam Yeah, stuff. because that was kind of your thing. Yes, that was so, the big thing. You, I feel like you were one of the first people to bring that into scootering. I feel like people always had like the scorpion grips and they would use like the Rokinon fish eyes and they would do that kind of thing, which is tight, you know what I mean? But you were the first one to be like, I ever saw like running around the skate park. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely inspired by Andy Ray. And yeah, I guess mine would probably be looking more prevalent to the scooter scene just because like, like I know Andy Ray and Philip Long were doing that a little bit. Oh, Philip less so, more Andy Ray. Philip was a rollerblader, so he would be able to just get smooth shots just by yeah, blading. Yeah. But Andy Ray was doing the glide cam stuff, but he was, he was always a little less 
in scootering. He was like more just for like elites and helping Philip along and that stuff. But I was like all in it. So when I was picking that up, then it was, um, you know, part of that inspiration. And it really was like I picked up the glide cam um, from wanting to do the party lines, like wanting to do like a line where I can go from like rider to rider to rider. Are you saying like the the line where it's like more than one person in a shot? So it's like you film this clip, then it transitions over to this person, but it's all continuous? Yes, gotcha. exactly, okay. exactly. So, um, and that goes even way back to like when I was filming with my phone, like we mm-hmm. would try to do that stuff because it was just like, um, to me it was always like the dance of filming scootering was you know, it was like a choreographed dance of both like, how can I choreograph my movements and the rider's movements um, into, you know, making this clip and doing it with um, like more people was just more challenging. But mm-hmm. it, for me, it was like, this is way more fun because it, it feels cool filming those lines because it's like, bam, bam, bam. You know what I'm trying to say? Like everyone has to land their, their trick. Yeah. You know, everyone's got to nail it. You know, I've got to nail it. I've got to make sure I'm getting everybody and I'm moving at the right pace and all that stuff. And they've all got to land their tricks. Um, so that was always fun for me to do. And Woodward was like the peak time to do that. And it got to the point like um, like later on towards those Woodward experiences where I would be like, I'd be like scheduling with people, you know? Like yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like hitting up like, I don't know, like I'd be like hitting up Caper and Funk and Austin Quentz like, and being like Friday night, 8 p.m party line yeah exactly (laughs) like all right we're gonna we're gonna get a sesh at this skate park you know um and it was also it was like you said like um or i guess what you said recollecting what i was telling you of like you know i got this for this video and this for this video um because i was doing certain videos at that time particularly like i was doing some stuff for woodward because they were trying to work on their instagram and so i was going to do some insta videos for them um and then working on my channel and this and that so it was like you know, I'd be shooting lines with people. I'd be like, all right, yo, we're going to get, so I'm trying to get like one line for this and I'm trying to get like one line for, for my channel. Um, yeah. So we just, they'd be like, all right, cool. So we're going to go bust out like a couple clips right now and see what we can get. Um, and yeah, that was all, that was all fun stuff. That was all solid at Woodward other than the one time when uh, I formatted my card and lost everything. No way. Yeah, dude. That was the, um, that was like the only time in my life, and I'll never do it again. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> that was like the only time in my life that I've ever formatted a card and lost stuff. Um, Did you actually lose everything? Yeah. So what happened was I was just being a clown and I formatted it. You know, um, no real need to get into that. It was just I messed up and did something stupid and um, formatted the card. And it was like, I'm trying to remember if it was like one or two days of filming. Like yeah. It was like a lot of filming at Woodward and it was like, bruh. Um, and I spent like basically the, the rest of the time, um, like halfway between like, okay, how can I recover this stuff? And also like, how can I shoot more? So I was like borrowing SD cards from people to make sure that I didn't write over my current one that I just formatted. Cause I know if there's any chance that I'm going to recover it, if I keep shooting. Yeah. 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 And I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. So I set that aside and was trying to look into that stuff, but it was also like, okay, let's film. So I would then for the next like two days, cause it was like halfway through Woodward. So there was still two days left. Yeah. So like at that point I had filmed, um, like stuff with Austin Quince for a video. So I was filming with him and then I was also filming stuff for just like a double a video Woodward video. Um, so like I basically just kind of rallied the troops and like told everybody what happened and kind of got everybody together to try to reshoot their stuff. And for the most part, like 
it just kind of came together and we ended up like reshooting most of the stuff later on i did end up recovering some of the stuff um how does that not, work not perfectly it, yeah it, it was i probably spent like 30 hours because i had to recover i, I heard stuff. this rumor one time that some that maybe this is completely wrong but like a, there was a scooter rider i think it was dylan art deleted a clip or something like that and then came to you or so, and and I, I i was just thinking like how do people recover stuff because i've I've tried it before and I've like gotten kind of there, but it's always just like, you need to download this insanely sketchy software to do this and that, you know, and I've just never like, I've never like wanted the clip that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, dude. It was, um, it was a process. Yeah. I definitely, after that point, cause I think it probably got around that I was able to recover some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, after that point, I definitely had people come through or message me. And yeah, I think he might have messaged me at one point and been like, yo, how do you do that? And I don't know if I was able to help him or not. I mean, I told him everything that I would have known at the time, which was yeah. what came from like 30 hours of work, which was just really what it was, is just finding the program. Because like you said, there's all these programs that are like, yeah, we totally, yeah, we totally have the clip. We see it. Yep. But pay us a hundred bucks. And it's like, but does it really see the clip or is it just like lying? um that that's exactly what it is because it's like do you just recognize like the the name of it or is it like the whole clip is it there exactly so i finally found one that was showing me a clip and the best i could get from it is that it was like a black screen but i could hear the audio and i was like okay i recognize that audio um and i was able to pull i was like you know what screw it i've dropped like 60 bucks on this program um and I was able to pull like everything off the SD card that like looked good. Like yeah. I was like, yeah, this is all the stuff. Um, and then, but like nothing played. It was all black screen and just like audio here and there. And I was like, I thought I got scammed or something maybe, or I was like, I don't know. So I just kept researching and it took me like another like 10 hours of just like looking through fringe programs and random stuff here and there and like troubleshooting. And I found this like random German application um, on this website that like wasn't even in English had to translate it. And I was like Graham online dots something dude. I don't even know um, Some random site. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, okay, this looks like it would do the job and I dropped like probably a hundred bucks on that um, And downloaded that and it was just this random program. It looks like it looks like garbage Honestly, like it just like this this can't be it and then started dropping stuff in and it was recovering it It was repairing it so basically the other the other program was to download the footage and then the other thing was to repair that footage so how does it repair it. the footage like no what does idea. that mean i have no idea and it would kind of it was never perfect like it would come through with you know kind of some glitches like you know like the green screen kind of glitches where everything turns green or like kind of glitches like literally like a, as if it's like a vhs a yeah, distortion. yeah 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 um but not super aesthetically pleasing unfortunately so I kind of had to toy around with it to get it, but it was still just kind of like a, okay, at least I got everything back. Like, at least there's that feeling of like, okay, nice. And I think I used a couple of those recovered clips um, for Austin's thing, but I ended up just, you know, from the fact that we reshot everything pretty much, we just, you know, I was pretty much good to go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember at Woodward that time, like I was totally unexpected. You know, they give out the awards at the end. They gave me like one of the awards, which is like the wheel on a chain of course dude i have some of those man yeah yeah dude i was totally surprised when i got that i was like oh wow i wasn't expecting that at all um just for kind of you know persevering through it not like being down on myself too much you know but there definitely was something i was definitely like that dude i could only imagine like like that's like especially at that time you know what i mean like you're at your place you got your friends around you 
and you got nothing on your SD card. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just, just like, like, oh, just let everyone down. Um, <laughs> but luckily everyone was just like totally like, you know, that stuff happens and it's not like anybody had stacked like, you know, a, a hammer. Yeah, no no like hammers really were were lost in the process. Um that would be that would be another beast for sure if it was like something that you're not doing again, you know, but for the most part everybody was able to get it after a few tries or something, you know, like Yeah a little effort in and we got it so yeah yeah no i lost my footage at woodward but i feel like it's good that you had that lesson early on you know what i mean because i feel like if that would happen now you know what i mean but let's talk about like now so you've had all of this filming experience and scootering you've had so much i feel like so much knowledge learned in it and then you've transitioned that into like your job now so like tell us about that that transition from scooter double a video into aaron hill that we know now yeah, for sure. It was, um, I mean, a lot of that transition just kind of came naturally when I went to college, so yeah. film school. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was around the time when it was all kind of interesting how it worked out in timing because, you know, I was working with MGP for the most part at that time. And then right when I got to college, they kind of had a change in management there. And it was clear to me like, okay, they're probably not going to be looking for too much stuff going forward, which I don't even know if I had the time to dedicate to it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still wanted to try to keep up YouTube a little bit and I tried that for a little while, but you know, it's just hard. It's hard to balance it. And that was also when YouTube started to get more and more like, you know, strict intense. about copyright and stuff like that too. Well, and, and just more intensive, like, like when the algorithm changed, you know, oh, yeah. like, all right, we yeah. want 10 minute videos. I'm just like, dude, I'm too perfectionist to even give you like a six minute video without like weeks of effort. I'm not gonna be able to give you a 10 minute video, you know? That's um, so true. <laughs> so... <clears throat> That all kind of happened at the same time for me where it was like, okay, it's time to, you know, it's time to kind of transition, um, transition out a little bit or, you know, kind of focus on school and, and do that. So and, did, were you filming, like, were you filming these scooter videos consistently up all the way through high school? Like, for, like when, when did you finally like slow down a little bit? Like what, what point in your life were you at when the, that happened? Yeah, it was pretty much like as I was like... I don't know. It's hard to even think about like exactly when it was because it was just it did just kind of feel like that's just like a big chapter on my life and all that stuff happened in there, you know, rather than like there was never a moment where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. But there was definitely moments where I'm like, I don't know how much more I can film this because I don't know how there's not like I can only film this so many ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? that's yeah. What it kind of came down to it was like I can only film this thing in so many ways and it started to feel like I was just running through the motions to try to like you know, keep the YouTube going or this or that. And, um, you know, so at that point it was kind of like, I was mostly focused on towards the end of just, um, making videos for the companies I was working with. Cause they were like, yeah, we're going to do this video. And it was like, okay, I'm definitely down to do that. Um, but just kind of running out of ideas of like new stuff to do on double a video and not wanting to just, did you feel at one point out. you had like a, a spectrum of ideas in front of you that you wanted to execute. And then you pretty much did all of those ideas and you're just like, well, like, yeah, I mean, I can redo these ideas to the V2 or like, but then it's just kind of like, you don't have that same energy going into it. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, there was this, there was definitely like a kind of a heyday to my channel, yeah. which of course is one of those things you don't realize when you're in it. Um, but looking back on it, like you can just look at the metrics of the channel and see, or, you know, you don't even have to have analytics to look at it. You can just see like, there's a part where the view started to go up. It was like everything I was putting out was getting like consistently at least like 10, 15 K views. Um, and that was like, 
you know, looking back on it, I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. Like I was, that was not, sick. Yeah. Like that, that's cool. Like that, that was happening. Cause I wasn't thinking about it at the time. It was just like putting it out and, um, you know, I was just like, cause it, it's always the thing. Like, I feel like a lot of creators struggle with, you know, consistency and, um, you know, hitting deadlines, you know, it's, it's so, so hard, you know, cause it's I so feel hard. like my biggest problem I feel is I, I have created this character called future will. And future will, it does everything that current will won't do. And that, that current will doesn't do, you know what I mean? And, and I feel like it's hard because like everything that I do, everything that Clayton and I do together is all just self-employed work and self and, and, and I feel like, I feel like it, it's just like deadlines, just like, I feel like I can sit there and I can like imagine myself doing a project and I always imagine it like half the amount of time than what it actually takes me. And like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things like for me, like, yeah, deadlines at the, whenever it happens, you like, this sucks. But then like in reality, you're like, I'm glad I had that. Yeah. If I didn't have that. I would have been sitting on this for another two weeks. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. The hardest part is just getting started. You got to just, that's half the battle. Half the battle for sure. I, I was telling somebody the other day, that's like 80% for me half the time. It's like, if I can just sit down and do it, like I can knock out like three hours of work in a row and like not even look up. But if I just, I had to get myself to sit down because it's like, oh yeah, I'll do that in like 20 minutes and then 20 minutes passes and you know, so on and so forth. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just something that's, you kind of need them. You kind of need deadlines to a certain extent and you know, sometimes they're maybe a little crazier than others. Like I self-imposed one one time that I shot one of the SD comps for Lucky. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be the first video out. I'm like, I'm 100% sure of it because it's going to be out tomorrow morning. And I shot SD and then I went home and got home like the comp was done and I got home at like eight or something. Yeah. And I edited until like five in the morning and put it out and sent it <sighs> to him. And it was like up by 10 a.m. the next day. That must have been a pain in the ass. Yeah, dude. I, during it, I was like, why did I say this? Why did I say this? How do I get out of this? But it was like, no, nope, I'm just going to grind it out. I'm just going to grind it out because it was like, because it had become a little bit of a battle of like, um, you know, like who's getting the first one out? Because for some of those comps, you know, that's, that is what could make the difference. Um, if you've got multiple people filming it and doing that and, um, you know, there was a little kind of confusion over the years with that of like who, you know who can be filming it and all that stuff. And at a certain point they like, didn't want us to use the name of the comp or something like that. Yeah. So there was always that kind of stuff. And it was just like, all right, I'm getting this video out and pushing it out. So. I feel like with those competitions too, there's so much pressure to make sure that they're up the next day. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like the time of it is so important. Cause it's like, I feel like every day you don't upload it. It's like, those are thousands of views that you could lot that you lost or like yeah. beyond that. It's like, you're trying to make your client happy if you're filming it for somebody, you know, it's like, yeah, 100%, 100%, <laughs> yeah. And Opposed to an edit that doesn't really have like a, like I feel like the hype would carry no matter when it gets dropped, you know? Yeah, exactly. Those things were definitely like, you know, time sensitive. And I had, you know, I guess I can say this now, it's been years and years, but I had like, I had relationships with some of those companies where part of my deal, part of my payment was was incentive based. So mm -hmm. it was like, if it's, get, if it's getting more views, then I'm making more money. Um, so that was part of the thing with that is I was like, I want to get this, the first video out cause I wanted to get some views, you know, and I want to, um, yeah, I mean, it was just like, I want to see if I can accomplish that feat. I do a lot of things. I feel like just to be like, I want to make sure I can do that. Like, can I do that? Like, I want to do that once. And then like, once I've done it, I'm like, okay, cool. I know that I can do that. I know that if I really need to, I could shoot a competition, 
stay up all night and edit it and get it out before the sun rises the next day. You're like, okay, now I know I can do that. Now I don't ever need to do that again unless I have to. You know? That's true. Um, I, I think about Do you, do you see yourself doing that still? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, what, what's the most recent version of... of? Well, yeah, I mean, this is, like, not related to scootering at all and super random, but, like, I was... Um, I didn't end up doing this, um, but like I was going to go on a road trip and I just, I was going to just sleep in my car one of the nights instead of um, sleeping at a hotel. Cause I like never, I've never slept in my car. And it was just like a thing of like, I want to make sure I can do that just in case I need to, in case I'm like homeless or something. Like I want yeah. to be able to sleep <laughs> in my car. And I told my parents and they're like, no, don't do that. Like if you need to, you'll be able to do that. And I was like, okay, I guess that's one of those things that I'd be able to do if I had to do it. So I didn't do it. I just slept in a hotel, but that's like one of, that's like kind of the mentality of it's just being able to be, be like, you know, kind of like, what can you withstand? Now like I feel that. weird about having you stay here. Why? Like I could have made you just sleep in your car outside. Yeah, I guess you should. Like I didn't even have to make your bed or nothing. I could have just like, you have a life life goal you need to accomplish right now. Aaron. Yeah. Like if anything you, happens, yeah, if it, anything happens, call me. I'm just right outside. Get it done, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, like that, something like that, or like, or like taking an ice bath, something like that. Like, like I'm gonna stay in here for like five minutes in this like 45 degree ice bath, you know, something like that. Like, those are things that it's just like, um, yeah, it's kind of like testing your limits. Too, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, so do you do you have any aspects of your life where you're like test your limits more? I know you're you're really into filming action sports and stuff like that, and I know that you've had kind of a new venture on on a different type of action sport and what, what what is that thing for sure yeah definitely if anybody still keeps up with me now or watches stories or something they'll see that i'm riding a wheel riding a, yeah you're riding a singular wheel a single wheel so it's a electric unicycle um, <laughs> and it is quite a bit of fun um yeah it was just a, a thing that i picked up from my friend connor he was into those and i had been riding a, a boosted board around college um and I, you know, he showed me this thing and I was like, this is crazy. It took some time to learn to ride it. I always tell people it's like learning to ride a bike. You know, once you get it, you got it. And, uh, yeah, it just got better and better at that. And now we like, yeah, we take it to trails and go downstairs and take it to skate park every once in a while. And yeah, just shred them. Do you, do you ever use it for filming? I have used it for filming for sure. Definitely like how when hoverboards were a thing, I tried filming once on that. Yeah, I remember. I think I saw a picture of you yeah. with your glide cam. Yeah. I it, was, it, was, it was a picture of me filming uh, Chandler Dunn at I think is Audie Murphy Ranch Skate Park at AMR. At of AMR. course, that's that's the hoverboard skate park, or that's one of them. Yeah, so I was riding, I was riding the hoverboard and filming, and yeah, definitely got a mixed bag of comments. I was like, all right, probably just won't post about it in the future if I do film with it because <laughs> people are like, bro. All right, let, let me ask you, was. Was I was it, I know it's like cool to film with a hoverboard, but it's like was it actually practical with the glide cam? It was. Um, Did it actually make the shot better, or was it, it just it like made, a meme? It made the shot smoother, um, but I couldn't get there fast enough. Like there was times where the rider was riding too fast. Yeah, just so, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, so I really only tried it that once because it was like like, and I remember that shot. That shot was used, and it was good. It was super smooth, but it was. Um, couldn't go fast enough. And obviously then like if I would have needed to go up a ramp or something like that, like when I'm glad came on my feet, I'm going all over the place. I'm going upstairs, downstairs, you know, up ramps, like on the sides of them. And like, you know, can't do that on a hoverboard. So that was like, yeah, it was more of like a, let's see how this is. Then it was like a practical thing. I think some people probably thought I was like actually doing that all the time or something. It was just like one time, but 
um the wheel actually does like i just i, I feel like the something. wheel is way more like you could you have the ability to like actually film something real on a wheel yeah versus sure. a hoverboard yeah for sure i filmed some skateboarding the other day um just to do like a camera test um and i was like you know let's make this a wheel test too and see and rode around the skate park and filmed that and it was um yeah i mean it was i got some good stuff with it it's definitely it's definitely um definitely more of a realistic tool than than a hoverboard would be for that but yeah no, that's sick. That's that's really cool. So are you like are you doing a lot of filming now? Like you had you had your whole entire filming career in scootering, you know what I mean? And now and 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 you've been talking about filming on your on your wheel. It's like what are you doing with filming now? Like yeah. like what what did scootering propel you into that you're currently doing? Yeah, so you know, scootering propelled me into, you know, just I was able to go into film school with like a lot of the knowledge, like a lot of the tricks. And did you already. use your scootering stuff for your college, like resume to like get in? Like, did you use your oh, work? Yeah, for yeah? sure. Yeah, definitely my essays and stuff. And like my YouTube was definitely on there, like a hundred percent. I think. Do you think that gave you an edge versus, versus other kids? I think so. I think a lot of people come into film school from a reasonable perspective. makes total sense with like, you know, not really having picked up a camera before or not really having a filming experience, which makes makes more sense than like me going to film school in a sense, because it's like they don't know and they want to learn. I already kind of knew, but it was just like, I know I, I'm going to go to college. Like my parents want me to go to college. And it was kind of just like, all right, what else am I going to do? Um, and my school gave me money. So it was kind of like, all right, you know, college makes sense. Right yeah. Now. yeah. Um, I don't think I got, uh, scholarship from them for that i had good grades in high school and i think i got a scholarship because of that um but like definitely was something to make me stand out and show like you know i mean i was lucky i was lucky in um you know and it wasn't all luck that just fell in my lap I mean, yeah, some yeah. of that was work too but i was super lucky to have like you know to get to travel and shoot scootering and do all the stuff that it's like um you know to tell people about that it's like that was a lot of stuff to have done before I even went to yeah. college. You know? I feel like you kind of have like a resume that like a lot of people that I'm sure you're around don't even like don't have anything near that. Like you were doing professional work as a like a kid. You know what I mean? And like that's that's something that I don't know a lot of a lot of people don't do, you know? Yeah, it's definitely it was definitely a good thing to just, you know, learn a lot of the lessons, learn a lot of the hard lessons and um, you know, learn how to format an SD card, learn how to, yep, exactly. Like get those things out of the way. And then also just, I think the biggest thing that like everybody should know how to do. And the thing that like separates you from anybody else is just being able to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, that was something I was lucky to have my dad teach me a lot about when I was young. And that was the thing that, you know, that's what it comes down to like negotiating or, you know, selling yourself for something is like being able to have hard conversations or, you know, figuring those things out, you need to be able to sit down with somebody and like hash it out. Um, you know, and I had those conversations. I mean, I was like having full negotiations with, you know, like the head of lucky or the head of mad gear when I was like 15 and 16 and like, you know, figuring out rates and things like that. And it was like, it was daunting to a degree, but it was something I was just like, you know, obviously I got to do this and getting better at that. Like that was all such a, um, a strong, like bag of, you know, knowledge, like a strong toolkit to mm -hmm. go into the next phase of my life with. Okay. So, so how have, how has like, like, like you obviously learned so much in scootering that's like took you to film school. What have you, what did you learn in film school that you didn't learn in scootering? And, and what, what are you doing now with all of your combined knowledge? For sure. Um, 
I don't know. It's always such a hard question because it's like, I mean, in reality, film school is, I mean, you learn most, you don't, you don't learn that much in the classroom. You learn most of it when you're shooting something and getting to experiment. So when you're in film school, is it, is it not that much in classrooms and stuff like that? Like obviously for your like basic, basic uh, education, but, but like when you're in the film classes, is it, is it mostly like you're shadowing other people? Is it, is it like you're, you're learning like on scantrons? Like what's that like? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's it's like you said, it's um, it it is less in the classroom. I mean, you have the classroom stuff to learn, like theory and you know, understanding all of that stuff, and then the general ed stuff as well. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people like their whole thing is you know, we're in LA, so it was all it was really about like learning, um, getting on set experience. You know, what yeah. it's like to work on a film set. Um, and I mean, that was the thing for me that was kind of interesting in that, like, I didn't do that as much um in film school because it was just like a I mean it's a grind like people people grind for it because it's like you have class all through the week and then you work on set on the weekend because that's the only time that you could do it that people can you know shoot their their thesis projects or their you know 300s 400s or just like the different levels of projects depending on where you are shoot their short films um and they could shoot them on the weekend Friday Saturday Sunday so it's like people will go to class all week and then you work Friday Saturday Sunday and I definitely you know did that a few times so there's some people that like we're driven to that and we're like doing it all the time. Um, I guess wow. I feel like maybe I wish I did it a little more, but I mean, I had film set experience from, from acting, you know, so I acted before I ever did. Yeah. yeah. Hold up. Let's, let's rewind real quick. Let's talk about Aaron Hill's acting career. I only know you from your one feature film subway ad. Um, and that was a beautiful piece of artwork, but what else did you do? Like you got to run the clip up. Clip. Yeah, you got to run the clip up No, Um, yeah, dude, it was, uh, that was the thing that I was into before ever. I stepped behind the camera. I was in front of the camera. Um, when I was six years old, I just went to my parents randomly one day and I was like, I want to be on TV and make a thousand dollars. I would make a thousand dollars, mom and dad. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I had high, high ass, uh, high expectations. Just like Subway, I'm gonna have it my way. Yes. So <laughs> I said that to them, and they were just kind of like, okay. Um, and then, like after a month, they, you know, they asked me if I still wanted to do it, and I was like, yeah. Um, and you know, so they started to look into it, and you know, I did some stuff in San Diego, um, but really, like, where you're really going to be able to get good auditions for things is in LA. I think the first year in San Diego, I got one audition and I booked it. It's for a commercial for a Middle Eastern cereal company. No way. Yeah. Dude, I've played a lot of different races in commercials. Like, really? I've, oh, yeah, dude. I've been, like, part black. Um, I've been no, Hispan- you have not. Yeah, I've been Hispanic, like, two or three times. Uh, like, I've done, like, full-on Spanish commercials. I only played in Mexico. Um, and And then I've been... You know, white a bunch, and then Middle Eastern that one time, just for that one commercial. Did you um, say anything? Did you do anything? No, no, I was just, just like part of a family. It was like for some cereal company, and but we had the full, we had like robes on, like whatever the garb is, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was my first. That was the first thing I booked, and that first year in San Diego going to auditions is the only one I got, only one I booked. And someone there was like, "You need a different agent." Got a different agent. Got a few more in San Diego, and then from there, people were like, "You got to go to L.A." Went to L.A. and started to drive up to L.A. Uh, from San Diego anytime yeah, yeah. I got an audition. Um, so it would be times driving up like, you know, three, four times a week if auditions were like popping off that week and just going to audition after audition. Um, I mean, I've been the thousands at this point. Um, Do you really go that often? Like, oh, yeah. was it was it like a, a 
constant grind like that? Yes, 100%. Wow. It was like a part of my life for sure. Like yeah. I did, you know, like it was a thing that, you know, before going to middle school, before going to my high school, you know, he had the conversation with the principal of like, you know, how is, you know, will this something that we can, you know, work through here? Like, you know, cause like it was always a thing like I'm willing to work. Like I was always doing my homework and like I would do it on the drives um, even when I didn't want to do it. You know, it's like it was a it was a mission for sure, but it was, you know, something that I chose. Um, and um, yeah, and just doing that. Um, Did you make good money from doing it? Um, I mean, I, I made some money. Like, sure. like, was it, did it mostly like just go to your parents or was it like, no, no, my parents or, or like you got, you got to keep it. Yeah. I mean, I got the money. Um, it was, did you money. ever like get the deals for yourself? Like, was it kind of like your hustle or is it like your parents were like hustling it for you? Um, I mean, it was like, once you get an agent and a manager, like, so it was mostly I, their hustle. It was mostly yeah, the agents. Okay. Yeah. The agents are, you know, sending you jobs and stuff. And obviously my mom is like interfacing that, but it wasn't like. A lot of people actually do have the situation where, like, their mom is their manager. Or something yeah, like yeah, yeah. My mom wasn't really like that. She wasn't like a stage mom of where it's just like super the beauty pageant moms. Yeah, not <laughs> not living vicariously. Like it was, um, it was my deal way more than theirs. Uh, it was my deal a hundred percent of the way. You know, at any point, if I would have stopped, wanted to stop, then I would have done that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was definitely a grind, and I did you know I basically just did a bunch of commercials. I had a couple TV guest star things, and I had a few moment, a few things I was really close to getting. Um, like the the biggest one that everyone knows is Modern Family. Um, I was I it was between me and the kid who got the job for Luke Dunphy, who's like the kid of the the main the the white family on uh, Modern Family because really like the Hispanic family, the white family, and then like the the gay guys. Um, and I would have been the son of the that that main family. Whoa, um, that yeah. would have been crazy. Yeah, and they. Ultimately, I mean, ultimately, as I understand it, you know, I guess what I'm speaking publicly to the world, I gotta you know put the aspects of it. Like this is my interpretation of it. I don't yeah, really yeah. put words in anybody else's mouth, but my understanding of it was that I was the preferred person for the role um, by like the creators of the show. Ultimately, when you do a television show like that. The final decision on the main cast is made 100% by the network. So the creators of the show um, have almost no say in that. They can they get it down to the wire, and, but you give them two to three people for any given role, and the network gets to make the decision. They have no say on it. Um, Dang. And it's daunting for sure. I mean, you do, you know, you go through a bunch of auditions, and, like, everyone becomes higher stakes because it's, like, now it's getting down to it, like, you know, down to the point where it's like between me and one other person, um, you know, for this role that, you know, thousands and thousands of people went out for. Um, it's like, oh, man. Um, and I just didn't have a good last audition in front of the network. I mean, you walk in there, 11 year old kid. I mean, I mean, of course, you know, the other kid was in the same situation. Um 11 year old kid in front of an, a group of like 30 yeah, what does that network look like? executives, like literally like, 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 are these people smiling or are they just like, Mm. like like are no, they giving no, i mean they're smiling they're giving you laughs and stuff okay um, okay it's a good you know, vibe yeah it's fine as long as you can like get into it but you could totally like i mean you have to be good at that type of thing you have to learn to you know kind of play the room in auditions and walk in and like own the room like I'm, yeah i'm owning and they're looking room. for that mm-hmm, for sure and you got to be able to get to that point or you could totally walk in and just like start to get nervous and freeze up and like of course they're just going to react like mm, you know um, you got to be able to, you know, kind of play the room and, but like that last one. Yeah. I mean, it's like you walk in, it's like a dark room, the lights are on you and 
it's like 30 network executives, like all these adults right there. And you just got to sell them on it. But, and what do they make you do? You just, you just go through, <laughs> what did they make you do? Aaron? Yeah. In this dark room where all the spotlights are on you and, and yeah. 30 adults are watching. What did they make you do? Aaron, <laughs> you got to read the lines. I mean, it's like at that point you've like read these same lines, like over and over and over again, you're just going through the script. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was fine. The audition was fine. It wasn't as cool as like, I did uh, like a test, like a network test or a screen test, like a, a couple weeks before it with like at the creator's house, like he put together like his ideal cast because um, the guy who got the part, Ty Burrell, who's the dad that he's probably gotten the most like recollection from the show. Um, he couldn't make it to one of the auditions. So they had to do a screen test at his house. So they had brought me in for that to, you know, run lines with him. Um, but for that last one, I mean, ultimately, I played it completely different than the kid that they cast. He kind of played it like, you know, like he's kind of like a dumb kid, you know. Um, and I wasn't playing it like that at all. Like it was like two very different character styles. So ultimately, it's just kind of like you just kind of take that for what it is, you know. Um, like, of course, at the end of the day, you're going to be like, do I think I would have been better at it? Like, yeah, probably. But, I think you, that would have been the sickest thing. I would have been like, I know that guy. Yeah. It's a he's in a thing. modern family. It was definitely one of those things like for for years. Well, no, I mean, actually, no, that would have affected everything. Yeah, you, wouldn't so. have met, you wouldn't have met me. Yeah. Whoa. I wouldn't have done most of the stuff in scootering. So when I look back on it now, um, like if I could right now say like, would I trade like the last because it was a 10 season long show. I mean, it lasted for 10 years. It was his like it would have been all those guys their entire it would have been my entire teenage years from like age 12 to age 22. Um, if I could look back on my last 10 years and say. You know, would I swap it for that? No, absolutely not. Because I'd basically be swapping it for, I mean, I'm sure it was a cool experience for sure, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't trade my experiences for that. Um, you know, I don't feel like most people wouldn't generally. The real only reason to do that would be from a money perspective, but it's just not worth it, you know? I mean, that's the, that's the only thing that's ever, like, in the past why I, like, lost sleep over that was just from the, exclusively from the money perspective because it's you know i've had times where i'm struggling for money like in college or points i just like didn't have a lot of money in my bank account and then you would think about just like oh like, network like, oh he's got a lot of money right now you know um yeah no and, that's and money makes things easier for sure but, but something you have to remember too is like money money is just a an idea you know money is not actually real yeah money is just like this this conceptual idea every human believes in and it only exists because all of us believe in it yeah and i feel like it's like, I feel like, yes, you might have missed out on some, some potential energy, you know, that's what money is, is, and, but it's like, I feel like, I feel like it's so much cooler what you did in a way, because you, you were in the driver's seat of what your life was. And I feel like if you were going to do modern family, you would almost be in the passenger seat, even if you would get more money and almost more recognition, I feel like you wouldn't be calling the shots like you had the ability to do. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, and that's been a thing kind of coming out of college that was going through that experience of, um, you know, I mean, that is what LA is, right? It's, uh, unless you're the director, unless you're the writer, you are helping someone else's creative vision, which is not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's not, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to help yeah. somebody else's creative vision. Um, but that is what I did a lot after college. Um, I kind of, jumped into being a first AC, first assistant camera, and then working up from there to do some steady cam work, um, which is 
a whole nother beast from Glidecam, but it's, you know, in the same family of, you know, that idea, you know, you're wearing the vest and you have an arm and mm-hmm. you fly the camera on it, but it's like 60 pounds instead of like, you know, 20 pounds in your hands. Um, so it was kind of learning that craft. And that's what I did for a little while after, uh, after college, basically up until COVID hit, um, and was doing that thing. And it was, um, it was crazy how fast I found myself in the rat race of being like, okay, like got to get as many jobs as I want, as I can this month. Cause it's like, gotta get my rent paid and then, okay, yeah. got my rent paid. Now I want to get some gear by this. And it was just like, you know, job, job, job. So, was, so when you were, when you were doing all this, was all of the gear, your gear. And then you basically had to like, like you had to, 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 to support yourself for all the classes. You had to support yourself for all the gear and you had to orchestrate all of the shoots and everything. And, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, I mean, in college, it was, um, well, it was interesting. I did one, I did like one big job, like towards the beginning of college. In my first semester of yeah. college, I left school for 17 days and went to Bosnia. Um, wow. Because I had um, my my YouTube partner, and they're still my YouTube partner, but I'm not really active anymore. So it's not like I interface with them on a daily basis. But uh, my YouTube partner was Whistle Sports. Okay. Um, which... I mean, a lot of people probably just know now is like for their content on Instagram. They have like a viral Instagram page, you know, okay. they just post memes or sports and anything, you know. Um, and uh, but at the time they hadn't they weren't doing that yet. They were a YouTube partner and uh, I partnered with them and they reached out to me um, telling me like, hey, we're doing this project in uh, Bosnia. We've got um we're basically doing action sports on and filming it on the um, where the 1984 Winter Olympics were held in Bosnia. But because Bosnia is like war torn, it's like this third world country, uh, it's all kind of like falling apart. Um, so we're going to like, you know, build ramps around it or like do trick shots, like all these kind of, we're going to get all these different kinds of athletes together. They were asking me for recommendations on scootering guys and, um, and, uh, and a parkour athlete. So yeah. I, I, at that point, I had done my Spider-Man parkour video. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. My channel, uh, which was my most viral video. And I uh, had done that, so I recommended them, the guy from that video. Um, and then I gave him Capron and Corey for scootering because I felt like they were a good fit for what they were asking me for. Um, and then I was like, also, can I come? Um, and he was like, let me get back to you on it. And then like three days later, he called me. And he's like, hey, um, we are down to have you come. We want to have you shoot behind the scenes. We're going to bring you out with one other, you know, Whistle Sports YouTube guy from the UK. You guys are going to be on a team together shooting behind the scenes stuff. Going to come out to Bosnia for 17 days um, and shoot behind the scenes for the entire thing. And we're going to pay you this amount of money. And That's was, crazy. And I was like, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> so, was, so what happened? So you go it on. Was like, it was like the most that I've been paid for any singular job as well. So I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Because at the time yet, you know, it was like, I was still at the point of like, you know, just being like, oh, I'm so passionate about this. And, you know, I'll be, I, you know, I would have done it for free, you know, and it's like, that's, which is a super dangerous thing. And I urge anybody that, you know, knows that they're really good at something. I mean, they say it, you know, if you're really good at something, don't do it for free. Um, you know, do it for free if it's a passion project and it's for you. But it's, it's almost hard for, especially in scootering. It's like, it's like, I feel like, I feel like it's almost like there's this thing about like it's bad to make money off of it or it's bad to do this and that, but it's like it's like no, it's like your craft. Like it takes so much effort, you know. Yeah, I think people definitely under underrate how much you know time and effort and how you're basically like 
you know, when you hire me for a job, you know, if you're if you're hiring me with my gear, you know, then that's one thing. But it's also you're hiring my years and years of expertise. Exactly. You're hiring me for the time that I formatted my SD card. And now I'm not going to do it again, because if you're hiring somebody that hasn't done that because they've been doing this for six months, they're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, that is how to look at it. When I say like, you know, when you're good at something, you don't do it for free. You know, it, it it's more about like. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people and a lot of companies, especially in California and in Los Angeles in particular, that are going to look for any opportunity that they can to cut cost. And and I feel know, like they'll just you take advantage you of, of you. 100%. I've witnessed it firsthand over the past, you know, year working in L.A. You know, I've seen people that are just slimy, but it like goes down the list. You know, like I was I was connected with a guy who was basically trying to take advantage of me and, and have me in as like an intern um and but like there were people above him that were doing the same thing to him and people above them doing the same thing like it goes down the chain of people just wanting to cut costs wherever they oh can so like so like somebody will will like like be an intern for somebody and then they'll get an intern for themselves yeah it's just like this chain of like trying to get free labor wherever you can because like everyone's being undercut and the really the way to avoid that is just you know, and it's easier said than done for sure. Yeah. But it's it's to just know your worth, like know how to value your time and how much your time is worth and have that known, you know, like, yeah. you know, so that if I'm like, you know, I'm coming out to do this job for, you know, if I'm going to first day see this for 300 bucks a day and that's how much I charge. And then, you know, that way when someone's like, I'll give you 50 bucks for the day, it's like, no, you don't even have to think about it. You know, I know what my time is worth um, and you don't have as much of that, but yeah, it was dead. It's definitely uh it's definitely a big thing, I think, knowing how to value your time and then making sure that, you know, you're not doing those things for free. And, you know, when I was going to Bosnia, that was that was a good time for me to be like, okay, like I do deserve to get paid for, you know, what I'm doing and um and all the experience that I have and all that stuff. Yeah. Um and so when I went out to Bosnia, I mean that was a crazy experience. It was wild to be like you know, I was just making friends in college. It was my first semester, so I made friends with all those people. And then it was like, all right, guys, I'm peacing out for 17 days. And they're like, who is this guy? Um, and I'm like, well, I hope everyone's still cool when I get back, you know? Because um, it's like you haven't known these people for that long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then went out there. And I think the biggest takeaway for me there was the A7S two had just come out. Um, and one of the guys there was shooting with it. That was their either like their B or C cam for the project. And um, I was like, oh, man. So I just put like... Basically, I think all the money that I got paid just bought an A7S II, pre-ordered it right when I got back. Because I was like, Damn, this is what I need. This is what I need. Yeah. And so in terms of like owning gear, like the A7S II basically carried me through college. Like I shot up most of my projects on that. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it basically was became my camera, my go-to camera for like many years. That's and, sick, dude. Yeah. And, um, yeah, used it for all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, learning with that was a big thing. And, um yeah, that kind of carried me through college. And then, like I said, after college, I did, you know, worked on set for many months and then COVID hit. And obviously everybody's lives kind of changed when COVID hit. And uh, so I went down to San Diego. Yeah. And because uh, that's where I'm from. Obviously, that's where my family lives. So I was like, All right, I'm going to go be with family. Um, left my place in L.A. It was already like kind of a tumultuous um, housing situation. So I'm like, I'm out of here. I took my took my stuff out, put it in a storage locker. Um, and I was like, I'll be back to LA, but I'm going to dip for a few months. And when I went down to San Diego, my good friend, Justin Goulet, who I think I already mentioned is, um, yeah, he's a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. He came up in scootering and he's, he's a bodybuilder, personal trainer now. Um, and 
like I was the first person that he trained. So he and I obviously have a relationship with going to the gym together. And he's the one who kind of got me into that. And um, so I was just like, yeah, I mean, how are we going to, you know, work out? And, um, and he's like, well, I've got a friend who owns a gym and he's got the keys and they're going to keep it open. Like they're going to keep it open low key. And I was like, okay. Um, so it was like a trusted group. And, um, you know, I mean, there was only like maybe like 10 of us that were going there and training. And there really was this thing of like, you know, like we are breaking the law, like, are we breaking the law doing this and all this confusion and like, you know, are we being, you know, reckless? And I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say, yeah, yeah, for sure being reckless with COVID and all that. But it was just like, you know, for, for that group of people. And for me, like, dude, I was, um, I was spiraling, bro, at the beginning of COVID because it was, you know, it was all of that stuff. And then also the recognition of like, I was realizing at that time too, I didn't like the stuff that I was doing as much. Yeah, as yeah. It was like, what am I doing? I'm just doing all these other people's stuff. And it was like all that hitting at once. And I had nothing, I had nothing to do other than sit at home and read the news all day. And it was like, reading the news was not good at that time. No. That was like depression city. So I was like, dude, I got to do something. And going to the gym is what kind of like took me out of that a little bit. And, um, good outlet. Yeah, for sure. And then at the gym, it was like, you know, a couple weeks in, someone was like, someone should be filming this. And I was, and like, are, I was like, like, are you serious? He's like, he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, well, I mean, I could film this. He's like, oh, really? I was like, I was like, I do. I like did documentary in college. That was like my main focus. My thesis was a documentary. Like that was mainly what I did in college. He's like, oh, I was like, I was like, ask whoever you need to ask if we can start filming and I'll bring my camera tomorrow. Um, he's like, okay. And he did. And he was like, they say any publicity is good publicity. So I started filming um, and just filmed the craziness. I mean, it was just like, it was a speakeasy gym. The windows yeah. were all tarped up. We had cops rolling by every day trying to, you know, suss out the situation. You know, we had time that I caught on camera of like this moment where it was like they got a tip because they had people on the inside in the sheriff's department that didn't want to see them get in trouble. That were like, sheriffs are coming by. So just letting you know. And they were like, everyone out of the gym. Like now everyone out. Yep. And just like chaos and just like everyone's bouncing out of the gym. Cause I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe for if like, if you're to the point of working out where like you're where you work out so much to the point that like when it gets taken away from COVID, it's like, you're, 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 you're finding that much of a means to get in. I feel like if you're working out, like really working out and then you're just like, all right, stop, go leave it. Like that might mess with your head a little bit. You know what I mean? Like oh, for sure. Like for all of those guys, it's like, that's their thing. You know, it's like, well, yeah. And it's definitely one of those things like, People, you know, say this thing of like, okay, what's essential? What's not essential? That's been the big question through all this. Yeah, right? is yeah, that, is yeah. Is that business essential? And how do you define that? And, you know, the way I look at it is either like, okay, well, either nothing's essential or or all of that stuff has its room to be essential. Because like in reality, is is anything that we do essential? Not really. Like not most really. Of this is not essential. Yeah. Like having a house is not essential. Like we could very easily wipe the face of this i always i always think about like survival mode of humans versus non-survival mode of just like at one point humans really had to go out and hunt their food yeah and it's like now we don't you yeah. know it's and like that's all that would need to be essential you know like all you need would be food not even as much as we eat like you i mean people sort of do 40 day fasts and don't eat for 40 days and just drink water like you don't need food every day you need food a little bit and you need water and that's all that's really essential but everything else, you know, but then look at it from the other perspective. Okay, we're living in uh, within 21st boundaries. century. Exactly. Yeah, 21st century. Then what's essential? Well, for a lot of these people, the gym is essential for them to not lose their minds. I mean, a lot of these people have PTSD from war. I mean, I, I've, you know, shot with multiple guys that were war veterans and 
Um, that's the thing that keeps them like from staying in their head all day. You know, that's um, for a lot of people, it is essential. And, um, you know, that's been the big argument here here throughout is like, what so is So has that, that been a, an, a debate amongst the people in the gym as well as like, like amongst the people, like I'm sure all of them are like, yes, this is essential. But like, yeah. is there kind of that debate where they can see it from both sides? And, and, and or they can see like, 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 I don't know. It's just, just the, the confusion. I feel like there's just so much confusion, you know? It's like to them, it's like, it's, it's essential to them, but to like me, I don't know. I wouldn't consider it essential, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I ask them, uh, there definitely are people that, cause that's been a big interview question for me. I mean, at this point for this project, I guess I'll be more concrete about the project is in a sec, but I've asked a lot about like, you know, our gyms essential. And of course people that go to the gym all the time, they're going to say it, but they can see it from both sides. But I mean, I feel like their explanations for why it is for them is pretty well thought out. And, um, yeah, I mean, there is, no, there's definitely the hate for sure. And definitely as it gets more on, uh, with, uh, more further along with them being able to, you know, people seeing like, okay, these guys are staying open or they're like defying the orders. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just the way things are right now. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a little bit of just like a tend a tendency to look at it from either a or B it's either black or white instead of the entire spectrum. Exactly. And for me, that's the main goal with your, you, so your job with the project is you want to encapsulate the entire spectrum of, yes. the, of the whole situation. Exactly. That's my goal. So it are is. you still filming this right now? I'm still filming this right now. And how long have you been filming this for? I think right now I've shot 88 days. Wow. Something like that. I think it's like 87 or 88 days of, of varied stuff towards the beginning. That was like all like pretty much in a row. Like we were shooting pretty much every day. Then of course things started to slow down where it wasn't there wasn't something happening every day worth filming or I would pick up an interview here or there with different people that are involved. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, it's been a crazy ride and it was it was a good alignment for me. Um, when when will this be released? I'm trying, man. I'm trying to figure that out. And as and, well. and how will it be released? Is this because this is obviously just a project through you? It's like, do you yeah. have a bigger outlet that you're gonna put this to? Or are you gonna just drop this on double a video? Like, what's gonna happen? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, the goal obviously, like, not to you know shit on YouTube or anything. Or yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm genuinely just, curious. Yeah, no, for sure. But just like to not not to be like you know YouTube sucks. It's just it's this project does feel like more than a YouTube video. For yeah, me. no, this um, is a uh, this is I feel like. There's definitely a difference between like a, a Netflix show and a and a YouTube video, yeah. you know. And I think and I think, um, of course I'm biased, but most of the people that I've shown any part of it to are like, this seems like a Netflix project or something like that. Um, you know, that's that's ultimately gonna be the goal is to get it on somewhere like Netflix or Hulu, Amazon, uh, Discovery Plus, whatever it is. You know, there's all these different places that are doing the streaming services now. And um I do think it has the legs to stand on one of those platforms because it's an insane story and there's so many different elements to it. And, um, I think the thing that I need to make sure that I, you know, that the process with it is going to be showing that it's not like political um, yeah. the way I'm showing it. Like, I'm not going to be showing it to be like, um, like the you know, city is wrong for this or like the people yeah. in the gym are wrong for the, like yeah, you want to exactly. show, you really want to show a balance. It's I want like to show both sides yeah. and let people, and I want to let my characters speak for themselves. It's yeah. not going to be me. Like Tiger King or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be the one, I don't want to be the one saying, I'm not going to come on the camera and be like, all right guys, this is right. This is wrong. The goal is going to Do be you go on the camera? I, are you a character in your own documentary? I'm not a character. I wouldn't say that I'm a character in it. Um, I've been a character in my documentaries before. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I mean, it feels like a natural step just because I, I've been on camera and I'm, I know that I'm, I can appear on camera well and speak well and do what I need to do. Um, 
but it, it is it does feel a little bit like a short a shortcut and like a cheat code almost and for this project definitely it feel it would feel like a cheat code because it's like then it's like you know the the real dream of documentaries is to be able to get all your ideas across and and uh, tell the whole story um, you know with nothing the, left left over with nothing left over and with just using you know what your characters have to say on it. let yeah. them tell the story let them tell their story you're telling their story but you're you're presenting um, their story they're telling it yes exactly and that's the goal and then to be able to just be like me come on camera and do a voiceover the goal of course is going to be do that as little as possible you know, i mean it's sometimes it's harder harder than others but um that's ultimately the goal but yeah i mean it's it's very it's a very expansive project it's the biggest thing that i've ever taken on um and i feel yeah, like it's the next pers- next the next yeah i feel like it's the next step though you know what i mean you it's like i feel like everything through your life that we've talked about it's kind of just led you to this point you know yeah i'm i'm super stoked to see what you do with it man like honestly like i think that you have so much knowledge and experience going into this like i i think when when this documentary does come out it would be really like i, I really want to see it and i really want the scooter community to be like yo that's double a video like like this is like what like this is what he's doing now I would hope so, man. I mean, I definitely had, you know, one comment on there about someone who's like, I remember when you did like Kandama videos or something and now yeah. you're doing this, you know, it's like another step. But yeah, I mean, definitely I would love for that kind of, uh, you know, an embrace in that way. It's just, you know, I don't know. I've been, I've been apart from the scooter community like at large for a little while. And I mean, I'm still here for sure. I definitely, I'm still keeping up with yeah, everybody. You're, you're here right now. I'm here right now. I'm still watching it and I'm still watching people's stuff and, shooting every now and then you know i mean i did the um uh me and a couple of my my la guys did the shot the woodward west um action space content. yeah yeah yeah. i don't think it's come out yet as of now but um you know i'm still still here and shooting it when i can but yeah for me right now the the main focus of my life for sure is that project i mean it's just kind of become yeah kind of my up to this point my magnum opus but it is one of those things where it's also you know i know that it's just uh, you always want to be looking back on yourself and being like, all right, that was good, but I can yeah, do it better, yeah. you know. And it's always been like that. And for me right now, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I'm working on. But you know, it's it's uh it's expansive. It's the biggest thing I've taken on. So you know, I'm doing what I can. I did a, I launched a GoFundMe recently just to see if I can raise some money for it. Just in terms of you know, I mean, it is like a full time job. Yeah, it's one of those things that once COVID started to let up a little bit and people started to go back to work, you know, I started taking more jobs here and there, but. You know, it's just one of those things like every job you take um, for someone else is like pulling you further away from the yeah, thing you're going to be working on. So um, I've been lucky to have some support with that so far. And uh, yeah, just going to keep working on it and see where it goes. Hell yeah, Aaron. Well, dude, I've appreciated having you on this podcast so much. I feel like I've, I know you so much better as a person and like just your story and your, your, your come up and everything. So, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Hell yeah, man. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Um, for everyone that wants to check out Aaron's socials, uh, what you, you're on Instagram. What, what do you, what's your main place that you want people to view your content? Where would that be? Yeah. I mean, um, my Instagram, I still post on there, is at double video. Where could um, they get updates about your documentary? Yeah, the documentary would be at Fitness Prohibition. Okay. Or fitnessprohibition.com. Sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just find me on double video as well, I got Fitness Prohibition in my bio on the website and everything. And yeah, I'm definitely pointing some more people there and trying to get some hype up for that. Um, yeah, so. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on, Aaron. And thank you guys for tuning into this Undialed podcast. Um, Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out.